Vaxi's Musical Podcast. Welcome to a very special heavy metal episode of Vaxi's Musical Podcast. You know, it's hard to fathom this, but the great Ronnie James Dio died from stomach cancer 12 years ago at the age of 67. And if you do the math, then that means that this week would have been Ronnie's 80th birthday. Now that is hard to believe. Yeah, whether he was singing with his own band Dio or with Black Sabbath or with Rainbow, the one thing that is completely undeniable was that Ronnie James Dio was arguably one of the greatest lead singers in metal history. Anyone who tries to argue with you is just plain wrong. Ronnie was not only an incredibly talented vocalist, he was also a highly intelligent, thoughtful, and kind-hearted man who was dedicated to his fans in a way that simply was not done by everybody. I'm not naming names, but the name Richie Blackmore sometimes comes to mind. This month, a brand new box that is being released by Rhino Records of his 1983 classic double platinum album, Holy Diver, his first solo album. It's an impressive, totally remastered four-CD or double vinyl set that includes outtakes, rarities, and live tracks featuring Black Sabbath drummer Vinny Appice, a 21-year-old Vivian Campbell on guitar, who would later join Def Leppard, and former Rainbow bass player, the late Jimmy Bain. And to talk about that and some other things, is my conversation with Wendy Dio, Ronnie's widow and manager. She's my guest today on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Hi, Wendy. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm very well, thank you. Great to talk to you. I, I can't first. I I can't believe one that it's been 12 years since uh, since Ronnie died. More importantly, I can't um, I can't even believe that this week he would have turned 80 years old. That's unfathomable I know, to me. I, I can't imagine Ronnie 80 years old. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one and only time I met him, this would have been, oh, I don't know, 1990, 91, somewhere around there. Uh, he, he'd come to a radio station for an interview with our afternoon guy, and I, and I happened to be there. And, it, you know, it was like he was maybe like one of the nicest rock stars <laughs> we we had ever met. He wanted to know everybody's name. He was very generous and, and, and curious and grateful. I don't think people understand how much that can be a real rarity in, in rock music, but he was something pretty special when it comes to that. Oh, absolutely. He loved his fans. He loved what he did for a living. He loved, he loved performing. He loved his music. And, you know, that was, that was his life. He never forgot where he came from. And, you know, he's a very humble human being when he wasn't on stage. He was he was also pretty good at remembering names. The the, the afternoon oh, guy. Oh God, yeah, he the, was like an elephant. Oh, I I don't know anybody that would remember the names the way he used to. Mm-mm. The the afternoon guy we had, and again, this is a station in Milwaukee. The afternoon guy had been working in San Antonio like five years before that, and Ronnie comes into the studio and he remembered his name. And he's like, we were all like, how do you? Rem-? I couldn't remember you know the guy's name I met you know for breakfast this morning. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Me neither. I, I, Me neither. But no, he did. He had an uncanny remembering for people's names. He really loved people. He loved to talk to people. He loved people, and he always made people feel really special. It's interesting because you, know, upon what I knew of him in a very brief period of time, it has always shocked me how he seems to have, like during his career, always found himself in very difficult, toxic 
relationships with with band members. And always, to me, it's like, well, it couldn't have been Ronnie's fault. He's too nice of a guy. Uh, but Ronnie, during his working, uh, he was definitely more, was in control, and he was a perfectionist, and he would get really mad if someone wasn't perfect. And that's, that's what a lot of the things were musical differences. You know, I, mean, I know a lot has been written about his, uh, his issues with, with Richie Blackmore, and, and, and I understand that because he certainly would not be alone on that list of people who had problems with Richie Blackmore. You know, that was a pretty, you know, I, I think when he left Rainbow and joined Black Sabbath, and certainly when he went solo, you, you could see that these were much happier times. For Ronnie yes. as, as a performer and maybe even as an individually happier. Although he was very, very um, happy to play the last, I, w- I was really happy that he got to play with Sabbath again at the end. You know, it was like we came full circle before he passed away and he was having such a good time with them and he just loved, uh, he always called Tony the Riff Master and, <laughs> you know, playing with Giza Butler, it was an amazing bass and Vinnie, you know, and they, they all played so well together. It was like, like, like that last tour was so amazing. Even though he had the problem with his stomach, uh, you know, it, he would get up on stage and just have the, the time of his life. He, he because they were great, such great musicians. They were great musicians, and I, and I think people may not understand the difficulty that it takes for a guy to replace a lead singer in an already successful band. For him, you know, to, to come oh. into that situation and replace a guy yeah. like Ozzy Osbourne, just as his solo career is really kicking into gear. That's an extraordinarily difficult thing to pull off. Yeah, yeah, but he, he did it. He, he did it. it. was because he did not he did not try to be Ozzy or want to replace Ozzy. It's two separate, it's two separate bands, really. You know yeah. I mean? Ozzy was an innovator and he was a great performer. And, you know, Ronnie just he, he was a great melodic. This band became more melodic. So there's two different kinds of and I think a lot of the Sabbath fans will buy both both versions and like them both equally. Now you you were in the uh, the music business prior to meeting uh, Ronnie. How how did you come to meet him? Uh, well, I was over in um, in LA. I had to come over to Los Angeles, and um, I was waiting for my green card, and I was. Uh, working at the Rainbow Bar and Grill, and um, I met Ronnie there because I knew uh, Richie and his wife, uh, Babsy, at the time, and they invited me to a party, and I met Ronnie there, and uh, you know, he kept following me around and said he's a bit short for me, <laughs> and um, but I fell in love with his brains. So that is one of the things that, that kind of stands out about the guy is, is his intelligence was really, really evident. Not, I mean, not just in the interview that that I uh, you know got to observe him doing, but in other interviews, you know, he's just a very you know, just a well, you know, thought out guy. And he's not, yeah, you know, it was always funny to me when you, when you saw someone who was new and coming on the scene for the very first time, there was this, all this macho bravado and, and, uh, and, and excitement about, about this. But, you know, some of the veteran musicians, they could take the time to be regular human beings again. It was, and he was one oh, of those, absolutely. he yep. was one of those guys where, you know, when you, when you talk to him and even the connection he had with fans for his career, I mean, you could, you could definitely right. sense that he was not like a, like a two dimensional type of individual at all. No, no, no. And he, he could talk to someone who was eight or someone's 80 and find something interesting to talk about them because he basically wanted to talk about them, about you, not about himself, which was, you know, he had a way of bringing people out and making them feel really special. 
when uh, when he left Rainbow, you became his his manager, and obviously you talked about you know, Black Sabbath. But the decision for him to eventually go solo and uh, and form Dio with uh, Vinnie Appice, and then to sell a, a double platinum amount of records on that on that first album, Holy Diver, that had to be incredibly validating for a guy like like Ronnie, who had been working oh, at this. Absolutely. That was like, Ronnie was finally in control of his own destiny. And, you know, he, uh, I mean, he put his heart and soul into that album, not knowing what it was going to do. None of us did. Even the record label didn't have a clue what was going to happen. Um, uh, they came in at the, like when it was started being successful. But, you know, well, things have changed now because Rhino is fantastic now. They do a great job and they've got some really great, passionate people there now. But, in those days, it wasn't, it wasn't very helpful. We did a lot of stuff on our own, and it was so gratifying to see all the hard work pay off. It was just wonderful. When I saw, you know, like the first show they did, and, and I saw the applause from the audience and how much they loved it, and I was like, it gave me goosebumps. The box set of Holy Diver is uh, is coming out. And, and, and tell me what the, what's going on with this box set. I've had a chance to listen to a couple of tracks on it. I haven't had a chance to listen to the whole thing. Tell me about what the, uh, the box set uh, is all about and what fans can look forward to. Well, you've got the original Holy Diver album, and then you've got the remix, remastered one by Joe Barishi, which um, is, is really in your face. I think Ronnie would have uh, really uh, liked what Joe did, and uh, there's no fade-ins in the endings. It's, uh, it just ends. And then, then we found some outtakes in the, uh, in the vault, so there's outtakes of making the record. Um, there's a live Fresno show um, that has never been out before that was done in 1983 on the Holy Diver Tour. And then there's some little gems that we picked out from the B-sides of, of singles and things. So I, I think it's overall a really lovely package, and I'm very, very pleased with it. I, don't, I know I don't have you for, for too much longer, but I do want to ask you a little bit about, uh, about Ronnie's death. I, I, he died in, in 2010. Could you sense that something was wrong with him physically before he was diagnosed with cancer, or was this you know, a, a real sudden diagnosis and illness? Well, he had, um, he had like, stomach uh, like he was eating tums like they were going out of style. He was having a lot of indigestion problems and stuff. And I had actually taken him to a doctor like six years before he passed for it. And uh, they said, oh, it's just a gas bubble. Don't worry about it. But had I known what I know now, I would have insisted, to, you know, to have a, a lot of tests and things. But, you know, at that time, we didn't know anything about cancer. So that's why, you know, I pushed so much to early detection saves lives. You know, you have to go and, and get checked out because, you know, by the time, by the time we found out, it was, Ronnie was already stage four. So it was mm. like, um, that was six months before he passed away. Wow. And, and certainly you've done an awful lot for, for cancer research and raising money and, and awareness too. So, I mean, it's, and I think a lot of people appreciate your efforts in that. So again, the, the, the box set is, is out. Holy diver. I can't believe it's, it was 1983 when it was, released i i know i have to let you go but uh, but wendy it's been a real pleasure to talk to you and 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 best of luck thank you so much thank uh, you for your support you bet thank you wendy thank you the holy diver box set by ronnie james dio is now available on rhino records and if you're a ronnie james dio fan you're gonna love it thanks for joining me on the show if you liked it tell all your friends about it share it review it and let me know how you feel you can reach me at backs at rock102.com i'd love to know what you think and thanks again for listening to Banksy's Musical Podcast.